Are you feeling the summer vibes today? Anybody? Woo! That guy over there is. Anybody over here? Anybody online? Nacogdoches feeling the vibes today? Hey, my name is Pastor Dan. I'm the Nacogdoches campus pastor, and I love coming to Lufkin, getting the opportunity to worship with you guys, and uh, especially love the opportunity to get to, to speak and just encourage you from the Word of God today. And, uh, and so thank you, Pastor Jeremy, for the opportunity uh, to do that as we are continuing in our Summer Vibes series. I had somebody uh, from first service, after service, um, ask me if this was marijuana on my shirt. You feeling the vibes, Pastor Dan? It's not. It's like a, you know, it's, it's, I was, I chose it because it looks festive. Maybe I'd choose a different shirt next time. I don't know. Uh, anyways, um, so good to see you guys. We are in the middle of this brand, uh, this new series, Summer Vibes, and we're working through the, uh, the book of Philippians. Philippians, it's just a fun word to say. Come on, say it. Philippians. <laughs> Philippi, the Philippians. It's a great letter that Paul the Apostle wrote uh, to a church from the beaches. <laughs> no, from a prison cell. He writes this incredible uh, letter. And the last few weeks, we've kind of journeyed through the first couple of chapters and uh, learning just some great practical ways to experience some happiness in our life. And Philippians, we'll talk about this in a minute, is known as like, it's, it's one of the happiest books. And it's, four, it's only four chapters long. And you can read it in like uh, 12 to 15 minutes. And uh, I, I went through it again this morning. It took me 12 minutes to read through. Uh, what a great uh, first start of the day. And today we're, we're gonna be in chapter three, but we're gonna talk about daily habits for happiness. Daily habits for happiness. What are those things that, that you're doing on the daily? What is your routine? You know, we all have rituals and routines. Did you know that? I mean, even if you don't think you do, you do. Think about every morning when you get up and you get in the shower. You don't think about it. You don't think, you, like, uh, you do the same things every single time. You have rituals and routines, and we, we do these things almost automatically. They're habits every single day, whether they're good or bad habits. And what I'm gonna challenge us with today, there are some things that, that maybe we aren't focusing in on. Maybe they're not habits for us that, that Paul is going to mention. I, I just think if we adopt these two, or like even if you just took one, everybody, you just took one of these habits, I believe that it's going to increase your level of happiness. Uh, your spouse will thank me, and your children will thank me, and your coworkers uh, will thank. Like, let's just let's just lift the lid a little bit. But I'm going to give you five of them, five to choose from uh, today. How many of you guys uh, this morning? Those of you online in Nacogdoches, like, uh, how many of you this morning are morning people? You love the morning. Morning people, give me a whoop whoop. All right, like morning people, you like wake up in about two seconds, you're like, the day is, the, it's, it's ready to rock and roll, um, and, and, uh, and like your spouse is like, if you make another noise, I swear, <laughs> uh, I will end your good morning, right? Uh, how many of you guys are not morning people? This, like, you're not morning people. Like your idea of morning is like, there are, a lot, there are way too many hands raised up in here. I see that hand, I see that hand, I see that hand way in the back. I see you. Uh, like you're not morning people. Like your morning is, I don't know, 10, 
Like summertime, you're like really feeling it. Uh, spoke to a, a couple of um, kiddos this past week, and uh, I'm like, what's your summer like? Well, I sleep till about 11 o'clock. Uh, like, what in the world, man? Get up and do something, right? Uh, if I sleep until, um, I don't know, seven or so, I'm like, oh my goodness, the day is wasting away. I got stuff to do, everybody, right? But then I'm an old man, and I'm like, like 9.30, I'm eating my bowl of cereal, and I'm like, time to go to bed. <laughs> That's what, never mind. Um, but you know who is a morning person? Dwayne Freeman. Y'all know who Dwayne is? Some of you don't know who Dwayne is. You will. You, uh, those of you online or in Nacogdoches, you may not know who Dwayne Freeman is, and I'm sorry about that, but if you're in Lufkin, one of the reasons you're here is because of Dwayne Freeman, because this guy is inviter extraordinaire. I just want to give it up for Dwayne Freeman. Come on, put your hands together for Dwayne. Love this man. Like, I'm telling you, he is, he loves Jesus, and he loves people, and he loves inviting people to church. And Timber Creek Church is an inviting place. I believe when you walk onto the campus and you walk into our lobbies, you're like, man, this is inviting. But Timber Creek Church is also an inviting church. Like, we think that this is too good to keep to ourselves. So we're going to invite people to come and hang out with us on Sunday mornings and be a part of what God's doing at Timber Creek. Uh, what does Dwayne have to do with happiness? Well, I spent an entire week in Puerto Rico with Dwayne, and he was my roomie. And uh, so every morning, he would wake up with, rise and shine and... How come mo not more of you know that song? Like... Some of you didn't wake up with that, and it tell, like I can tell. Like, but, okay, not every morning, but there were a couple mornings. He, I mean, in two seconds, he is like up, and I'm a morning person. And I'm like, Dwayne, yo. <laughs> and I love Jesus too, but like, you know, pull it down a little bit. Um, Dwayne, that's like his, he, he, he's just the morning guy. We, <laughs> you're welcome, Dwayne. I had such a great time with him. Uh, loves Jesus. I found out that he also knows how to braid hair. So uh, the many gifts and talents of Dwayne Freeman. Um, you know, uh, one of the things that, uh, that really I, I have kind of adopted in my life, and this, this happened a couple years ago. Uh, I heard a guy speak on uh, just how we start our day, like the importance of starting the day right. And, uh, and he starts his day every day with the Lord's Prayer. And he's like, you know, before I ever get out of bed, I sit up in my bed and I turn over onto the side and before my feet hit the floor, I say the Lord's Prayer. I could even just whisper it or just focus your mind on it. And I thought, man, that'd be a great way to start the day. Because how many of you know that sometimes you wake up and your worries, your anxiety, uh, your troubles, man, they meet you. It's like they've been sitting there waiting for you to get up. And immediately your, your mind is just like, what a, that's a crappy way to start the day. And so I started doing this, and I would start, and I, I would, uh, you know, nine out of ten times in the morning, I'll sit up, and it's like the Holy Spirit reminds me, the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth, in earth, right? Because we're earth. <laughs> As it is in heaven, give us this day, God. You know what my needs are. You know what my desires are, my wants are, but, but you know what my needs are. Give us this day my daily bread and forgive me for my, of my trespasses. Uh, before, I ever, uh, before I ever get started today, I know that I'm going to make some mistakes, so God, may your forgiveness flow in my life, right? 
Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. What a great way to start the day. And so I kind of started adopting that in my own life. But maybe that's not your first prayer. Maybe your first prayer is, oh God, it's another day. Oh God, there's Monday, right? <laughs> maybe that's how you start your day. And, and really, if you just shift the comma a little bit, it could be, oh God, it's another day. No? Okay. I'm trying to help you this morning, everybody. Giving you some habits for daily happiness. We're going to be looking uh, in the book of Philippians, chapter 3, 1 through 14. If you've got your scriptures with you, if you've got your E version or your tree version, doesn't matter. Go ahead and pull it up. We're going to be kind of walking through some verses uh, together this morning. I believe that Paul gives us some ideas, uh, some habits that he adopted. What? I don't know if Paul was a morning person or not. I do know that in the book of Acts, we read that Paul and Silas were in a prison at one point, and they were singing praises to God, and like, uh, like the walls fell down and stuff. Uh, I don't know if that was like their first morning routine, or like, I don't know what that was, but like, uh, there, there was some habits that he had formed. He's in the middle of like tough, tough circumstances, and he's taking that moment uh, to share some things with us uh, through the book, the book of Philippians. This is a, uh, the Philippians is known as a, as a um, it's a prison epistle. It's a letter that he wrote from prison. And how many of you guys know that in, if you're sitting in rough circumstances, I'm not so inclined to write about all the good things. I'm actually inclined to complain about some things, Right? Like it's cold in here and dungy and I don't have a bed and my roommate snores and he wakes up every morning with rise and shine. No, like, um, like I complain about things and yet Paul in the middle of his circumstances, some of the worst circumstances, he's writing what some authors call a spiritual tonic. Not a gin and tonic, a spiritual tonic, like a healthy, good-for-the-soul medicine. Multiple times in this four-chapter book, he's talking about rejoice, be glad. I'll say it again, rejoice. I say, Paul, how can you say those things? You're sitting in prison. He, there are some secrets here. He's, he's gained some habits that, that surpass his circumstances, Habits are those things that we lock into regardless of the circumstance that faces me. I'm locked into this is how I'm going to respond. This is how I'm going to act. This is how God has, has commanded me to live. And regardless of what anybody else does, this is the direction I'm going. Are you with me this morning? So that's what he's talking about. So this morning we're going to look at five habits and five red flags. Five habits and five red flags, because you know that any time we begin a new habit, uh, it's like the enemy comes in like a flood, right, and tries to discourage that habit in your life. Am I all by myself on this one? No, I'm not. You know what I'm talking about. So there are some red flags, some things that we need to be aware of, and Paul is going to help us with that. So you guys ready to dive in? All right. Five habits, five flags. We're going to look at Philippians chapter three. Let's go. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13, whatever happens, dear friends, be glad. Rejoice in the Lord. Look at your neighbor and say, be glad. Be happy. You're sitting next to the perfect person. 
<laughs> I never got tired of telling you this, telling you what? To be glad and rejoice in the Lord. And it is good for you to hear it again and again and again. This is good for you. This is what? This is good medicine. It's the theme of the, the book of Philippians 16 times in four chapters. A spiritual tonic for us, a good feeling. Paul is saying, rejoice in the Lord. But he says, watch out. Watch out. Okay, red flag. For those wicked men, those dangerous dogs, I call them, who say you must be circumcised to be saved. For it isn't the cutting of our bodies that makes us children of God. It is worshiping him with our spirits. That is the only true circumcision. Pump the brakes, Paul. How did we go from like rejoice in the Lord and be glad to uh, a talk on circumcision? What are you talking about? And Paul's like, be careful of those Judaizers, he calls them. These are the ones, these are the Jewish Christians who they've surrendered to Jesus, but they've also added some things. They're like, it's okay to follow Jesus, and we're good with the Jesus thing, but don't forget to do these other things because they matter too. And he's like, no, 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 no. It's all Jesus. All or nothing, everybody. It's not Jesus plus this. It's not Jesus plus good works. It's not Jesus plus all these other good things in life. It's just Jesus and Jesus alone. He says, so watch out, okay? Like I want you, I don't want the, the, I don't want these dogs, these wicked people to what? Rob you of your joy, to steal you of, uh, steal the joy from you. These joy suckers in life. How many guys, you work with a joy sucker? Don't raise your hand unless they're here. Like you work with a joy, you live with a joy sucker. Those ones that just, they're like, man, it, it takes no effort and they just rob you of your joy. And Paul's saying, watch out for these people. Be careful. We Christians glory in what Christ Jesus has done for us and realize that we are what? And we are helpless to save ourselves. What does he mean we Christians glory? We brag about, we're gonna boast in these things. We're gonna, we're gonna celebrate in our life, not, not all of our good works, not our good behavior, not all of our accomplishments. We're gonna glory in this one thing that Christ Jesus, he's done it all for us. Because we realize at the end of the day, I'm helpless. Like I'm helpless, and, I, and even this morning as, as we're worshiping, uh, I, we're, we're singing these songs, I'll make room for you, God, I'll make room for you, and I'm, and I'm realizing even in myself, who am I to tell the creator of the universe? I wanna make room for, like Jesus, just, just come in. Clear the space, right? You're the creator, God, and I am helpless to save myself. So what is the first habit that Paul is gonna help us to really realize and adopt to our own lives is to reflect on the grace of God. To reflect on the grace, what does it mean to reflect on something? Uh, to really give conscious effort and thought to, right? Uh, like, I'm gonna think on these things, I'm gonna reflect on these things. When you reflect on uh, your week, you reflect on your life, you, there are moments in our lives where we find ourselves reflecting, right? Um, it, it's been a crazy season recently where we've been at, I've been at funerals and weddings and, and the birth of children, like all of these different scenarios, and I find myself in those seasons, in those situations, what? I'm reflecting on. 
What am I reflecting on? What am I focusing on? Let me ask you a question. Do you ever think about what you think about? <laughs> Mind blown. Like, do you ever really think about what you think about? Think about it for a second. <laughs> I'm thinking about lunch. <laughs> Don't think about lunch. Focus, everybody. Focus. Like, do you ever think about what you think about, and why is that important? Paul's saying reflect on these things. Later on in chapter four, he's gonna talk about these are some things that we need to think about. Don't just think about God in the, in, in the immensity of who he is, but like think about these specific things. So we're, we're reflecting on the goodness of God. Why are thoughts important? Because thoughts become words, right? And by the way, you don't always have to say what you're thinking. You're welcome. You don't always have to like <laughs> put on the internet or social media what you are thinking, everybody. Here's a secret, nobody cares. <laughs> okay, your mom cares. But like you don't always have to say what you're thinking, but thoughts become words, right? And words become actions, and actions become habits, and habits become character, and character determines what? My destiny. So you are where you are today because you had a thought about something prior to it. And those thoughts, and they, they kind of lead to, so it's important that we are focusing on what we are thinking about. So I just want to encourage you, be careful what you are carefully thinking about. Be careful the things that you are spending time considering in your mind and thinking about and dwelling on because those things become actions in your life that become habits, that become character, that end up walking you into places that you either you are dreaming of thinking about. You know, one of the things that we've done with our kids uh, as they've been growing up is uh, we've tried to be intentional with telling them what we dream for their future. Like, I'm intentional with telling them the things that I, that I see God doing in their lives. Now, I'm not adding pressure, but I'm giving them the thoughts that we have. God gives us thoughts about who we are in his word. We just don't, we just don't know. We don't spend time reading about it. But like projecting those things, right? Sharing those thoughts. Be careful what you are carefully thinking about. Paul says in Philippians 4, 8, fix your thoughts. Like, fix them. What are you thinking about? How, how are you thinking about that person that you live, that your, your, your spouse and your kids? Um, how do you think about those people that you're working with? What are your thoughts drawn to? Fix your thoughts on what is true and good and right. Think about things that are pure and lovely and what? Dwell on the fine, good things in others. Does anybody else have, like, you're challenged with this? Like, sometimes my default is just to think about and dwell on uh, the imperfections of other people. You know why I do that? Because it takes the attention off of my imperfections. Hello. Right? Like I, but Paul's saying, like, think about the good things in people. I love people that their just outlook on life is just optimistic. They're just, they have a way of seeing the good in people. They have a way of calling out and carving out those things in people. When we say as a church, your God-given potential is our mission, our prayer is that God would help us and you see what God's doing in you so that we can call it out 
and carve it out, especially in the lives of our teenagers and our kids. Someone say amen. Like calling out and carving out those things in their lives and saying, no, Jesus is big in you. God's got great things in store for you. So think about these things and dwell on the finding good things in others. Think about all you can praise God for and be glad about. And I said this in first service and I thought, you know, if, if, if you find yourself waking up every day and you're just like full, I'm complaining about these things and I just can't get my mind right, what about putting together like a gratitude journal and just every day writing something, something down that you, you're just grateful for? I'm just thankful for. What are we doing? We're reflecting on the grace of God in our lives. God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for it. It's just a gift from God. And the more I focus on the grace of God, the more I'm seeing the grace of God in my life. The more I understand that the grace of God is unmerited favor from God, I'm finding that in my life every single day, favor from God, favor from God. It's unmerited, it's a gift from God. So we gotta reflect on those things. Billy Graham says this, yes, the grace of God is a reality. Thousands have tried, tested, and proved that it is more than a cold creed, a docile doctrine, or a tedious theory. The grace of God has been tested in the crucible of human experience. Amen, right? been tested and has been found to be more than an equal for the problems and sins of humanity. Wow, the grace of God. So I'm gonna make it a habit to reflect on those things, but I've gotta be careful of the red flag of legalism. I don't wanna slip into being legalistic, which is excessive adherence to a law or a formula. What I, what I begin to work and, and live by the grace of God, I can, it's a, a dangerous thing to begin to add things to the grace of God. Become rigid, um, um, to become rigid in that. Legalism oftentimes is, is rituals, uh, race, religion, reputation, and rules. We see this in a couple of verses that Paul writes. He says, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. That has to do with rituals. You got these daily rituals, right? I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one, gold star. <laughs> like he's given us a resume of his past and he's saying that if it comes down to race, if race has anything to do with the grace of God, then man, I should be right in the front of the line because I am a Hebrew of Hebrews. I was a member of the Pharisees who demanded the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. When it comes to religion, man, I am as religious as they get. Come into my house, I got a Bible on the nightstand and I've got crosses on the wall and I've got uh, you know, all of these, uh, the outward trappings of religiosity. And Jesus even called out the Pharisees and said, you guys are like whitewashed tombs. You look religious on the outside, but you're full of dead bones. And he's like, if it was up to, 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 to my religion, I'd be in good shape. And I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. If it had to do with my reputation for, for zeal and Christianity and like all these things, like I have a reputation for that. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without, uh, uh, without fault to the rules. Like I never, I never messed up. I was, uh, I was a Bible-thumping um, got it right every single day. Paul's saying, like, uh, this is my resume. But he said, I'm not gonna focus on those things. I'm actually gonna reflect on the grace of God because it's all worthless. 
So what we're gonna do, first off, we're gonna reflect on the grace of God, and number two, our second habit is, we're gonna remember the most important things. So I'm gonna wake up, I'm gonna reflect on the, on the grace of God, the grace of God is, is I have breath in my lungs. I woke up this morning and I'm living on borrowed breath. He, he, he breathed life into me and today I get to breathe that life again until he takes my last breath here on earth and I take my first breath in heaven. Like I'm living by the grace of God. If nothing else, he woke me up today thankful for his grace. And the second thing I'm gonna do is I'm gonna remember the most important things. How many of you guys know that sometimes we get, like, we get sideways and we can start reprioritizing things? And Paul says, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I think we have an issue with this. I think we have a problem with this because we prioritize a lot of things in life over really focusing in on the most important things, and that's getting to know Jesus, like putting him first. In fact, if God is not first in our lives, then he is just simply not God. Because he won't take a second seat, he won't take a back seat to all of the other things that we seem to think are so doggone important in life. He just won't. He's God, he's gotta be number one. He's, Paul's saying, everything else is worthless. For his sake I have discarded everything else. Okay, we get it, Paul, like everything. Everything. Counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. You know, I think it's interesting, the uh, theologians and those that have written scripture, there's multiple times where they'll take words that Paul uh, wrote, and I think they probably debate, should we really put what, what we think Paul meant? <laughs> like, should we soften it a little bit? Um, because many times, Paul is just calling it out what it is, and he's, he basically says, hey, all of it is a big pile of poop, everybody. That's what it is. Like, it's, 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 it, it amounts to nothing, and I really do believe that someday when we get to heaven, these things that we've spent so much time thinking about, worrying about, investing in, like we're gonna see that they don't amount, they amount to much at all. Look at Paul's prayer in the first chapter. If you, if you missed out on the first message of this series, you wanna go back and listen to it. But one of the focuses was Paul's prayer, and he says, I pray that your love will overflow more and more, and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters. What really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. I want you to focus on what, what really matters in life. What are our priorities? What are the things that we're investing our time and energy in that's, that's really fleeting everybody? What really matters. So we wanna look at the red flag of distractions. Distractions, we just get distracted in life. You know, when I first got saved and I was 17 years old, uh, February of 1997, I gave my life to Jesus. I had no idea how desperately I needed him. I went to a youth camp, a youth retreat. Youth camps are so powerful. We took, oh, we, uh, I forget how many uh, teenagers, hundreds, <laughs> um, almost 200 teenagers I think we took to youth camp. Powerful experiences. And that for me was a powerful experience where I encountered 
God for the first time and I encountered the love of Jesus that really transformed my life. And I remember the time after that where I was so passionate. There were things in my life that I, I can't even remember how God uh, just pulled me out of some of those things and placed me on a new path. It's, it's absolutely incredible and miraculous, really. And I look back and I, how passionate I was and, and I wanted to know him more and I wanted to spend time in his word and I wanted to spend time in prayer and I wanted to tell everybody about what Jesus was doing in my life. But can I be honest with you? There's been seasons in my, in my life where I just got... I just got distracted. I just got focused in on some other things and, and, and I've gotta come back to um, this, this reality that he's the most important thing and pursuing him and his will for my life and God, what have you designed me to do and how have you equipped me in life? And, and you know, the scriptures say that the enemy uh, has come to steal, kill, and destroy but Jesus has come that we might have a life and life more abundantly. And, and I can tell you today, if, if the enemy can't destroy you, he will distract you. If he can't destroy you, he'll, he'll distract you. And boy, we get distracted, don't we? We get distracted with politics and we get distracted with the news and we get distracted with gas prices and we get distracted with a lot of things. I'm just saying we ought, to, we ought to make it a habit of like remembering what the most important things are in life. You know, I, I believe that God's kind of put in some, some natural helps to us. Uh, there's a thing called a Sabbath. Every week a Sabbath, a Sabbath day, a day of rest. And for many of you, Sunday is that Sabbath day where you're just taking time to focus in on who God is and what he wants to say to your life and, and growing in relationship with him. But there's other times where I believe God had placed some, some little moments that pause us in life. Birthdays. We're celebrating my, uh, uh, our youngest daughter, Bailey, her, her birthday um, coming up in this next week and just celebrating that. But I'm reminded that God formed her and knit her together in her mother's womb and she is fearfully and wonderfully made by God. Uh, and God has gifted her and put things in her that over time God is gonna draw out by his spirit, right? Uh, funerals are a, an incredible moment, a reminder that this life is fleeting, this world is not my home, I'm just passing through. My, 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 uh, my life and, and my future is laid up somewhere beyond the blue. Like those are my treasures. That's where God has, has placed those things. Weddings and, and baby dedications, these are all natural reminders to help us remember what the most important things are in life. So don't get distracted. Francis Chan says our greatest fear in life should not be of failure, but of succeeding at things in life that don't really matter. So focus on the things that, that matter most. We're going to remember the most important things. And number three, you still with me? Everybody with me? We good? How about number three? Get to know Jesus better. Get to know Jesus better. Every single day, get to know him better. For my determined purpose, Paul says, is that I may what? That I may know him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him. I love this word progressively. Um, like salvation is instantaneously. It's a, it's a miracle of God. 
brought about by the Spirit of God, worked out by the blood of Jesus, you are saved. The moment you put your faith and trust in him, salvation happens. The old is gone and the new has come and, come and there's therefore a new creation that's formed in me. It's a work of God. It's miraculous. It's a gift from God. I can't earn it. I couldn't do anything to, to get it. He just bestows it on me and I receive it by faith. You with me? But sanctification is a different thing. It's a process. It's a setting apart it's progressively getting better. It's wanting every single day to know him a little bit better. It's John the Baptist that says, God, more of you and less of me. If my marriage is ever gonna be what you've designed it to be, it's gotta be more of you and less of me. If I'm ever gonna raise my children the way that you want them to be raised, it's gotta be more of you and less of me. If I'm gonna be the kind of coworker that makes a difference, not just standing, making widgets in life, right? To make a difference, not just delivering packages from door to door. What can Brown do for you type thing? But like if I'm gonna see God's purpose and his plan formed in my life, then I've gotta pray, God, more of you and less of me. And it's a progressive work that every single day I become more and more like Jesus. He goes on to say, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. You know, one of the greatest areas of healing that we all need in our lives is a healing of perspective. Just a healing of perspective. It's, it's the Spirit of God helping me to see things differently. Why am I going through this circumstance? God, give me some, give me some answers. Um, can I be honest with you? Like, one of the things that, that you know, it just gets on my nerves. <laughs> when people go through tough circumstances and, and you hear somebody say, um, you know, there's a reason for this. Anybody else? Like, that is not what I wanna hear right now. You know, there's a reason for this. Um, and maybe there is. For I know that God, you know, all things work together for good to those that love God and are called according to his purposes. But like in the moment, I just, I need to be able to see Jesus differently. You know, the, the disciples, they had a different perspective of Jesus uh, when he walked on the water, but it was, it was in the middle of a storm that they saw Jesus differently. And many times it's in the toughest of circumstances in our lives that we see a part of Jesus and who he is that we would never have seen before. And God allows us to go through some tough circumstances. I need, I need healing in my perspective. I need to, to have healing in how I perceive who God is and what he is. Is God for me? Yes, he is. Is God good? Yes, and I will trust in his goodness. Is he a good God? Yes, he is. And is he good to me? Of course he is. And I will see the goodness of God in the land, what? Of the living. Change my perspective. Heal my perspective. Change my point of view. But we won't get to know Jesus by accident. We won't get to know Jesus by accident. It's a, it's a process, and I've gotta be intentional with how I grow in my relationship with him. You know, you can, you can be around church your entire life and never really know who God is. Red flag warning. You can be raised in church, 
cutting your teeth on, on the back of the pew. And by the way, for some of you, these, there's like these long wooden things that were like, you know, um, you see them in antique stores now. <laughs> Move on. Um, cutting your teeth on the back of, of the pew. Like, well, I was raised in church and I've, I, you know, I, I taught Sunday school. You know, you could be in all of that and yet never really know God doing all of the right religious things and never have a relationship with God. It's amazing. We could, we could be around Jesus our entire lives and never touch Jesus. And never really know Jesus. How do I know that? Because the scripture says that at the end of days, he's gonna pull all of the people around and they're gonna, and he's gonna, he's gonna say, uh, come into your heavenly reward. And, and to those of you uh, that uh, thought you knew me, that well, we, we, we prophesied in your name and we did miracles and we, we taught Sunday school, right? And, and I was a perfect attender at my church and I gave faithfully in the tithe and offering. I even, you know, uh, did some serve projects and I was on a dream team. And he says, those are all good things, but you never knew me. You didn't have a relationship with me. And religion is all about what you can do for him. And relationship is all that he's done for you. Like, don't get caught up in this relationship, in this religion where I've got to be active and do all of these things for God. Nothing you do is going to impress him. He created the universe. Like, he wants relationship with you. Are you with me still? So, a red flag is busyness. A red flag is busyness. I'm making it a habit to get to know Jesus every day, but I gotta be careful that I don't just get busy. And there have been times in my life where even as a pastor for 22 years, I have, I have tried to equate my relationship with God with my busyness. That busyness equals effectiveness. I mean, how many of you, you guys know that that's not true. That's not true. Like, my busyness does not equal a relationship with Jesus like being still and knowing who God is, right? Psalms 46.10, be still and know that I am God. And for some of us, we, just, we need a season where we can just be still and just rest in his grace and rest in his mercies that are new every single morning. Are there things to do? Yeah. Part of the kingdom of God is, is working together and, and sharing the gospel and making a difference. But God's not impressed by all those things. He just wants you. He wants a relationship with you. He wants you to, to press in and know him more and, and, and he wants to know you more. Psalms 46.10, step out of the traffic. Take a long loving look at me, your high God. Above politics, above everything. Could we determine every single day that I just want to get to know Jesus a little bit more? I just want to see you a little bit more. I want to know you a little bit more. I want to spend a little bit more time in your word. I want you to show me who you are. How many of you guys know that God will answer that prayer? He will answer that prayer. Like, if you pray, God, I want to know you a little bit more, he's not going to say, mm, not today. <laughs> I, like, I'm not putting up with your junk anymore. Like, no, he like, absolutely, he's hungry to share himself with us. So habit number three, we're gonna get to know Jesus better. Habit number four, we're gonna check our progress. I'm gonna check my progress every single day. Uh, Paul says, Philippians chapter three, I don't mean to say I'm perfect. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm not perfect. <laughs> and they're like, I know. 
I haven't learned all I should even yet, but I keep working towards that day when I will finally be all that Christ, what, saved me for and wants me to be your God-given potential, like realized in your life. Until the day that I die, I wanna continue to just ask God to form in me uh, what it is that he's designed me for. We used this uh, scripture earlier, Romans chapter 12. Um, think upon these things, right? Focus on these things, uh, the transforming of your heart and your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will for your life. So I'm not satisfied. I'm not there yet. And I wanna ask you, what's your spiritual growth plan? What's your spiritual growth plan? Like, how are you planning to grow every day? How do you plan a year from now to look back and say, man, I'm closer to Jesus than I was a year ago. I know him more today than I did a year ago. Again, it doesn't happen by accident. You know, we, we, uh, we put together marriage, uh, uh, marriage plans, marriage, um, uh, yeah, marriage plans, vacation plans, uh, health plans, right? I'm gonna, I'm gonna put a plan together to eat healthier and exercise on a regular basis, but how many times do we really sit down and think, what is my spiritual growth plan? How am I gonna put into place practices that help me each and every day to know him better? James Allen says, people are anxious to improve their circumstances, but unwilling to improve themselves. They therefore stay bound. And a year from now, you know, we say the TCC guarantee, give us a year of your life, trust the process, and Jesus will transform you from the inside out, and we get the honor and the privilege of being tour guides along the way. Like, trust the process, be engaged in the process, but determine that the things that bind you right now will not be the things that bind you a year from now. Uh, we've got an incredible ministry called Encounter, and Encounter's launching back up this fall. I just wanna encourage you, if there are some habits, some hangups, some things in your life that you just can't quite get over, Encounter is designed to help give you some handlebars on how to do that. So I encourage you to get involved and sign up for Encounter in the next few weeks. Psalms 139 says, investigate my life. This is David, and he's saying, search me, O God. Find out everything about me. Cross-examine and test me. Get a clear picture of what I'm about. Anybody else afraid to ask God to do that? Like, like, give me a checkup, God. Cross-examine me. See for yourself whether I've done anything wrong, then guide me on the road to eternal life. That's what David is praying every single day. Like, search me, oh God. Check out those things. Paul says in 2 Corinthians, test yourselves to make sure you are solid in the faith. Don't drift along taking everything for granted. Give yourselves regular checkups. You need firsthand evidence, not mere hearsay that Jesus Christ is in you. Test it out. If you fail the test, do something different. If you're at work and somebody puts you through a test and you realize that was not like Jesus. <laughs> I failed that test. <laughs> F. <laughs> like, I wanna do better. Jesus, help me do better. Form Christ-like character, conduct, and conviction in me. Jesus, help me. Give me situations to, to, to practice that and do better. And he's like, yeah, I did. I put you next to that coworker. And you keep failing. We gotta do better. The red flag is pride. I've gotta be careful in this development process and forming this habit in me that I don't get prideful and say, you know what, I'm good. Me and God, we're good. Me and the man upstairs, we're good. We've got a understanding. 
yeah, he understands that you have no clue. <laughs> like, that doesn't work, right? Like, test ourselves and, and go through those things and be willing to, to say, God, I want to get better. Isaiah 53, 6 says, all of us like sheep have strayed. We drift. We've left God's paths to follow our, follow our own, and we just do that sometimes, don't we? Anybody else? I just find myself drifting. And today, maybe you find yourself drifting a little bit, and you're like, man, I, I think back on where I used to be, and I wanna get back to where, uh, where I'm, I'm, I'm stretched in my faith and I'm growing. So habit number four, I'm gonna check my progress. I'm gonna check my progress. Habit number five is settle the past and be present. So Paul says, I'm gonna wrap this up. It's funny, at the beginning of chapter three, he says, and finally, brothers. Like, he's a true preacher. Like, he's saying, I'm wrapping it up, but he's also got another chapter to go. So, like, <laughs> the music is playing, and Paul's like, wait a minute, I'm not done yet. Says, finally, brothers, listen, no, dear brothers, I am still not all that I should be, but I am bringing all of my energies to bear on this one thing. I'm focusing all of my energies. I'm, I'm taking all of my energy, and I'm focusing in on this one thing, forgetting the past. And how many of you guys know, if you know anything about Paul, he had a past to forget about. There are probably some things in Paul's past that he wished he could stop thinking about. And he's got to surrender that every single day. There were things in Paul's past that he's like, I need to settle those things. I need to settle my yesterday so that I can move forward. And looking forward to what lies ahead. I strain to reach the end of the race and receive the prize for which God is calling us upward to heaven because of what Christ Jesus did for us. And many of us spend way too much time looking in the rearview mirror. That, 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 uh, that trips us up in life and it keeps us from really growing into our tomorrows and what God has for us. There's three, basically three different states of living and you may find yourself in one of these states of living today. Uh, the first living, the first, uh, there's past, future, and present and the first one is this, your past. And these are signs that you may be living in the past. You, you, you resist change. I just resist change, right? I'm often nostalgic and I think about the good old days, about what God used to do and, and how God used to move and how I used to feel about those things. But God is not just the God of the past, he's the God of the present and the future. And those past experiences were great for then, but you need new wine today and new wineskins today like God wants to meet you right where you're at today. So don't focus, be grateful for those things. But what is God doing right now? Don't hold grudges, don't seek new opportunities, don't look forward to anything, constantly drawing comparisons. Boy, comparison is like a thief of joy, isn't it? Man, I wish, I, I wish I'd have had the, the, the upbringing that they had and all these different things and, and guilt or shame. And I just wanna tell you today, if you're walking around in guilt or shame, that doesn't come from God. It's not a gift from God. Conviction, yeah. Conviction leads to a place of repentance in my life, which is healing, and it's a grace in itself. But guilt and shame. So we've gotta settle our past, or what you resist will persist. You will repeat your past. And we wanna settle that, and we wanna focus on the present and what God's doing. So sometimes we're stuck in the future, and we find ourselves restless, or trouble sleeping, and I can't, I'm just constantly worrying, and Paul deals with this, and we'll talk about it in the next week or so, 
don't be anxious about anything, but pray about everything. You find yourself full of anxiety. You're indecisive. You're always, you're always thinking the worst case scenario. Well, what's the worst that could happen? Here, let me help you just a little bit. Like, what if you shifted that and said, what's the best that could happen? What's the best that could happen, right? If you're, fo if you're uh, too focused on the future, sometimes you're a control freak and, and you think that you've gotta control things. We're, we are addicted to certainty, everybody. Second guessing everything, constant worry. This addiction to certainty and wanting to know all of the, the next steps and, and God's saying, no, you don't, you don't worry about the things tomorrow, that's out of your control. And today is the tomorrow you worried about yesterday. So why worry? Think about it for a second. Today is the tomorrow you worried about yesterday. And you're still here. And God's still good. And he's still present in your life. And he's still for you, not against you. He's not forgotten you. He's got plans for your life. Matthew 6, give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. I'm releasing somebody in Jesus' name of worry today. Stop worrying about the things that are out of your control. Trust that Jesus will give you what you need when those problems arise. But you waste time and energy that's precious You really do. We do. We don't focus on those things. We need to focus on the present, which brings contentment and acceptance and forgiveness and peace and faith for tomorrow and trusting in the goodness of God. Which state are you living in? Are you living in the past? Are you still so focused on tomorrow that you can't focus on what God's doing right now? Some of the red flags, regret, unforgiveness, and worry. We're settling our past and really working, working through living in the present. Uh, we've gotta be careful that we don't live in regret or unforgiveness or worry. Regret is an appalling waste of energy. You can't build on it, it's only good for wallowing in it. So stop living in regret. If regret takes hold in my life, it will only lead to guilt, resentment, and self-pity. So I wanna ask this final question this morning. Has this been helpful to anybody? This has really helped me. I'm just gonna be honest with you. Like, as God has been working this in my own spirit, like, this has been super helpful just in helping me to develop some habits every day. They're gonna increase my level of happiness, like focusing really on the joy of God in my life, and, and like, he's so good. I see his grace every single day. So a final question would be, are you living in constant state of condemnation or affirmation? When you walked in this morning, you received a card and um, it's a list of, of affirmations. It's a list of affirmations. Because sometimes we wake up and the first thing I think about really aren't thoughts of, of they're not affirming thoughts, they're actually condemning thoughts. And Jesus said, I didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but I came in to save the world, right? 
And so many of us, we just, we need to shift our focus and our, and our thinking, fix our thinking on not the condemnation in life, but the affirmation, really thinking that, that I'm alive in Christ. I am loved by God. I am free. I am growing by faith in Christ-like conduct, character, and conviction. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm going to pray about it, right? I'll not compare myself to others. I will fight for purity, guarding my eyes and my heart from temptation. I am joyful and gentle. I am joyful and gentle. I am joyful. <laughs> Holy Spirit, activate. Holy Spirit. Like there are times that you just have to affirm the things even if I don't feel it. Affirm it even if you don't feel it. Because your feelings will lie to you. And the enemy will lie to you. But the word of God is truth in you and for you. And so start affirming the things of God. Pick up the word of God and find that I am mighty in his power. I am more than a conqueror. I am self-controlled and I am kind. I am the church. I am part of a movement of God that is moving forward and changing the world. I will act justly, live, love mercy, and walk humbly with my God every single day. I'm going to walk in these affirmations of who God has called me to be. I promise you, if you'll begin to affirm these things in your life, you will see your level of happiness increase develop a, happy, a habit of happiness in your life. So what are we gonna do these daily habits? We're gonna reflect on the grace of God. If you do nothing else in life, just reflect on how good he is. He is so much better than we ever give him credit for, he's so good. Even in my worst of circumstances, he's being good to me. I may not see it, but he's good. I trust his goodness I'm gonna remember the most important things. I'm gonna remember the most important things, those relationships that God's put in my life. Prayed with a, a lady uh, this morning after first service, been praying for a, uh, a sibling who's been going through just hell on earth and has yet to really surrender her life to Jesus. And just in the last 48 hours, she called and she said, I'm going through hell again. But you know what I realize? If I die today, I'm not right with God and I need Jesus. Like, remember the most important things, everybody. Get to know Jesus better and better every day. I wanna know him more. Even in my suffering, I wanna know him more. Even in the trials, I wanna know him more. This is what Paul's saying, even to the point of death. If it takes me dying on the cross, just like Jesus died, if it takes me going through that experience that I may know him in that experience, then, then bring it on, God. Paul wanted to know Jesus. I'm gonna check my progress, and finally I'm gonna settle my past and I'm gonna live right here in the present. And this is the day that the Lord has made, say it with me, we will rejoice and be glad in it. And I love how this other translation says, this day in which God has saved me is the day in which the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. I'm gonna mess up your theology for a second, so don't write me letters or anything like that. Uh, but I get saved every day. Well, that's strange. You know, every day I wake up and, and I realize my absolute need for a savior. I'm not saying that I feel lost every day. I'm just saying I wake up and so thankful for the grace of God in my life. Thankful for what Jesus did on the cross for me, that he took my sins. 
He loved me so much that while I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. He didn't wait for me to get all of my uh, Chanowski uh, ducks in a row. Like he just, he loved me while I was at my worst. I'm so thankful for his salvation. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Maybe today, the reason that you're not experiencing, and you, and you don't even get the opportunity to develop that habit of happiness in your life because you have yet to really accept the gift of God, that salvation of your soul, putting your faith in the one who paid it all for you. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever would believe upon him would not perish but have eternal life. That if I would confess my sins, he's faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and what? Cleanse me from every unrighteousness. And I'm not living to my own self-righteousness that I'm actually inviting him to do what he does in and through me by the grace of God. And maybe that's you today. Maybe for the first time or the first time in a long time, you'd say, I need to surrender to Jesus and I wanna accept that free gift of salvation. On the count of three, put your hand up. I wanna pray for you. One, two, three, hands up all over the place. Yeah, yes. Hold them up just for a second, just for a second. Just for a second. It's the grace of Jesus that you get to respond today. Those of you online, you're responding. Those in Nacogdoches, you're responding. Dieball Duncan, you're responding. And I want you to know it's the grace of Almighty God that you're responding today. It's not because all of a sudden you work up this feeling, this thought of salvation. It's the Spirit of God that draws us to Him. And it's his grace one more time today. He's calling out to you that you would respond to him. And you are. And you could be thankful that it's the spirit of God loving you the way he loves you. And you may pray a simple prayer like this. Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I believe you came. You died a sinner's death. You were buried in a borrowed tomb and you were resurrected from the dead three days later, and because you're alive, I am also alive. I put my faith and trust in you. I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that Jesus, you were raised from the dead. And I'm ready to start a brand new life with you, oh God. I'm gonna make it a habit every day to be thankful for your grace. You may also be in this room this morning and. And you know what, you just, you just don't have that habit. Maybe you've got distracted. Maybe the busyness of life has just got you off track and, and, and you've just gotta, we gotta get it back on the road and, and God is just speaking to you today. Hey, make it a habit today. Get closer to me. I wanna get close to you. My word says that if you would draw close to me, I would draw close to you. And you just take it a step towards him all over the building, raise your hand. I just wanna take a step towards Jesus. I feel like maybe I've drifted a little bit and I wanna take a step towards him. I wanna get to know him better. I wanna be be free of the things that bound me today a year from now. I I wanna look back and say, by the grace of God, I'm I'm more like Jesus in my, my character, my conduct, and my convictions. Jesus, thank you for the work that you do in our lives. We welcome it, God, we pray. We make room for you. We pray that you would come in and do what only you can do in our lives. And I pray that tomorrow morning we would wake up by the grace of God, thankful for what you've done in our hearts and our lives, preparing us, Lord, to go out and be difference makers, to be Jesus in our world, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name, amen.